0: Well, amen, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning, if you brought your Bibles, if you didn't bring a Bible, that's not a problem, we'll have the verses on the screen for you here in just a moment. Several years ago, Time Magazine published a series of articles which dealt with the 100 most influential people of the 19th century. One of those issues dealt with the scientists and the thinkers who have changed some aspect of our lives in a significant way. Included was an article written by Bill Gates that dealt with the work of Wilbur and Orville Wright. As most of you know, in 1903, these two brothers designed and flew the first manned, heavier-than-air aircraft. But not only were they the first to fly, but their research provided the necessary basic formulas for all aircraft and made it possible for man to travel farther and faster than ever before. And in that article, Bill Gates described Wilbur and Orville as a pair of self-taught engineers working in a bicycle shop who made the world a forever smaller place. And I think we would all agree this morning that the Wright Brothers' invention of air travel changed some things. We might even say that it changed a lot of things. But I submit to you that there is one event that didn't just change some things. It didn't even change a lot of things. It changed everything. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's the point that Paul makes in his masterful defense of the doctrine of the bodily resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, I'll begin reading in verse 12. If you don't have a Bible, just follow along on the screen this morning. Paul writes, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. Because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ. Whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep, talking about those who have died in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Now, here's what Paul is saying in a nutshell. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, and if his body is still in a grave in Jerusalem, then every preacher, including this one, who's ever preached the truth of the resurrection is a liar. And every person who's ever believed it is a fool. And none of us here this morning have one ounce of hope of ever going to heaven. But, verse 20, (laughs) Now is Christ risen from the dead? And that, my friend, changes everything. With the Lord's help, I want to share three things that can be different in our lives because of the resurrection. First of all, because of the resurrection, our past can be changed. It can be cleansed. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, that's good news. No, scratch that. That's great news. Because there are some things that I've done that I wish I hadn't done. There are some things that I've said that I wish I had not said. Some things that I've thought that I wish I had not thought. Let me just put it like this if mess ups were push ups, I'd be totally ripped. And I'm guessing I'm not alone. I doubt if there's a person here this morning who is not without regrets. Or at least some degree of guilt because of their past. There are no doubt people here today who can't get on with the present and into the future because of the past. I've mentioned before that one of my favorite authors is a man by the name of Max Licato. And I read something recently that he wrote about a, a Chinese man named Lee Fan. Mr. Fan had tried every treatment imaginable to ease his throbbing headaches, but nothing seemed to help. Finally, an x-ray revealed the cause of the problem. It was a rusty four-inch knife blade that had been lodged in his skull for four years. Fan had been attacked by a robber who had cut him on the right side of his face. And he had no idea that the blade was broken off in his head. No wonder he suffered from such stabbing pain. No pun intended, sort of. But that's a true story. And I share it with you this morning because there may be some among us who live every day, every day, with a stabbing pain of regret or remorse or shame or guilt because of something in their past. If there are things from your past that are weighing you down and keeping you from getting anywhere with your life. Then I want you to know that because of Easter, you can be set free from all of that. Listen to what Paul said in Acts 13. He said, be it known unto you therefore men and brethren that through this man, talking about Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And again, he wrote in Ephesians 1:7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the blood that the choir just sung about, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Easter means that our past can be cleansed. Our sin can be forgiven. Our guilt can be erased. And there is nothing more that Jesus would like to do this Easter Sunday than to forgive you of your past. I mean, listen, even if there wasn't a heaven or hell, and there is, but even if there wasn't, it would be worth coming to Christ just to know that all of the wrong you've ever done can be erased. And that your conscience can be clean and clear toward God and toward man. You see, Jesus didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. Easter means that our past can be changed. It can be cleansed. But it also means that our present can be changed. It can be controlled. Have you ever felt like your life was out of control? Have you ever felt powerless over certain situations? Powerless to break a bad habit? Powerless to save a marriage gone bad? Powerless to change a rotten relationship? Powerless to control certain emotions? Powerless to get a handle on your finances? Powerless to deal with a teenager gone wild? The truth is, You and I are powerless. And it was never meant for us to try and live on our own power. The Bible's got good news for those who feel like their life is out of control. And there's no hope of change. And it's found in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul said, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? According to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Now, in case you didn't get all of that, here it is. The same power that enabled Jesus to rise from the dead can help you rise above your problems. And it's not the power of positive thinking. It's not merely the power of your own will and your own determination. Listen, it's the power of God. The same power that he used at the resurrection some 2,000 years ago, it can be used in your life right now no matter how hopeless your circumstances may appear to be or how helpless you may feel that you are to do anything about them, because Jesus lives, listen, there's always hope. And there's always help. Listen, one of the best days of your life will be when you figure out that you don't have it all figured out. When you realize that you cannot manage all that life is going to send you. But God can. What difference does a resurrection make? Well, it can make a difference in our past. It can make a difference in our present. And it can make a difference in our future. It can be made certain. Most people don't mind talking about the future until you bring up the dreaded D word, death. By and large, people don't like to talk about death. If you don't believe me, sometime this week, call up your best friend, invite him over for supper, sit him down on the couch, look him straight in the eye, And say, let's talk about dying. (laughs) See what their response is. Whether they will admit it or not, everybody concerns themselves at one time or another with the thought of what's going to happen after they die. And by the way, those are good thoughts to have. Because death is not the end. No, death is not the end. As a matter of fact, it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of eternity. And let's face it. We're going to spend a lot more time on the other side of eternity than we spend on this side of it. That being the case, I think it behooves us to be certain about our destiny after we die. Well, pastor, can anybody really know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We can know. We can be certain. According to the word of God. John wrote in 1 John five thirteen. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That ye may, what's that next word, church? Amen. That ye may know. Know that you have eternal life. Right now, today, you can know that you have eternal life. And that you may believe on the name of the only Son of God. Yes, yes. You can be certain you're going to heaven when you die. But listen. <laughs> it's not the way that many believe. There are so many misconceptions about the way to heaven. For example, there's what I would call salvation by sincerity. Salvation by sincerity says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And at first glance, this kind of thinking, it seems kind and it seems sensible and it seems helpful. It seems kind because it recognizes uh, a validity of, uh, of different systems of belief. Different outlooks and opinions, different ways of seeing the world and understanding it, and it's so kind in 2019. It seems sensible because, I mean, after all, who can claim that their opinion, their school of thought, is anything other than just that, opinion? Who can really say that what they believe is better than what anyone else believes? And it seems helpful because it suggests that believing is in, in something is what really matters. But I want you to think that through for a moment. Is it not possible to be sincere but to be sincerely wrong? I mean, nobody could argue that the Nazis... We're sincere. Every suicide bomber who's ever died was sincere. Every parent who's ever murdered their child, I should say any, every sick parent who's ever murdered their child, and we read about that so often it seems are sincere in their thinking that somehow they're setting them free from something. But in every one of these instances, those people were sincerely wrong. Jesus urged people to believe in Him and in His message. To believe that certain concrete things about Himself and about God and about the world and about the future. He offers us his life and his death and his rising again as evidence that he really is the only one who can talk with any authority about these things. Salvation is not by sincerity. Unless you're sincerely believing in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Neither is salvation by activity. I mean, some people think that they can get to heaven based on their good works. But if the Bible is clear about anything, it's clear about the fact that we cannot work our way to heaven. There's not some, some gigantic set of scales in heaven that, that God's going to put our bad works on one side and our good works on the other. And when we get there, we just got to hope that, that we've done enough to tip the scales There are so many fallacies in that way of thinking. We don't have time to cover them today. But I'm just telling you, salvation is not by what we do. Another false thought regarding the way of salvation is that it's by cleaning up your life and and getting your act together. I'll, I'll call it salvation by purity. I mean, there are honestly some people who believe that if they just get rid of this and get rid of that and give up this and and give up that, then they'll make it. But listen today, salvation is not about what you do. It's about who you know and what He has already done. Jesus has already paid the price for your entry into heaven. All you have to do is claim it. It's like when our family goes to watch Kelby play baseball. He's already paid for the tickets. We just have to walk up to the window and claim them. And perhaps one of the biggest fallacies regarding salvation is that it comes by way of the baptistry. This is a big one. People think that If they get baptized as an adult, or if they were baptized as a child, then that means they're saved and they're going to heaven when they die. But there's one huge problem with that. It's not in this book. It's just not. Yeah, but I joined the church. Joining a church makes you a Christian about like joining the Lions Club makes you a lion. Salvation is not by sincerity, it's not by activity, it's not by purity, it's not by way of the baptistry. And let me say this, it's not through ancestry. Just because your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents were Christians, doesn't make you a Christian. That's like saying because your mom was married, and her mom was married, and your mom's mom was married, then you're married. Eh. To be married, you have to make a personal choice. Listen to me this morning. Your salvation is your choice. Some choice your parents made for you as a child will not get you into heaven. And by the way, no one has always been a Christian. I've talked to people, well, you know, I've just been a Christian ever since I can remember. You become a Christian when you make the choice to come to Christ in faith and repentance and follow Him. And please get this this morning, please. None of this is about embracing a religion, it's not about religion. It's about establishing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus died and was buried and rose again the third day so you and I could become members of His family. Listen, listen to, to, to 1 John 3, 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the Son's. Of God now here's God's message to you today you ready number one I know you I know all about you now listen God's jaw didn't just drop God knows all about us and here's here's the first thing he knows about every one of us including myself this morning we're sinners Come on, we're sinners. As a matter of fact, God wrote in His Word that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And here's something else that He knows about us. He knows that because of our sin that we're deserving of death and eternal separation from Him. Because the wages of sin is death. Oh yes, God knows us. He knows all about us. And He knows how undeserving this man is of heaven. And eternal life. Because He knows me. But in spite of all of my shortcomings and all of my sin. He not just says, Bill, I know you. But He says, I love you. He says, as a matter of fact, I love you so much that I sent my son to die on the cross for you. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you're tracking with me this morning, then here's what you know. You know that you and I, because we're sinners, deserve to die our own death for our own sins. But yet God, because he loves us, and he wants us to be with him, sent his son to die in our place. Listen to me this morning. Nobody, nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. Nobody. Not your Grammy, not your papa. I'm telling you, nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. You matter to God. And he brought you here today to tell you that. And he's got one more message for you. I know you. I love you. And I want you. I want you. I want you to be my child. And I want to be your father. When it comes to your future and mine, God wants us to be in heaven with him. But that will only happen when you welcome the resurrected Christ into your hearts and lives by faith. That being said, let me ask you three questions real quick. This morning. Number one, would you like to have everything you've ever done wrong in the past completely forgiven? Think about it. Question number two, would you like to acquire a new power that would help you manage your present problems? question number three would you like to have your future secured Easter can do all three of those things today today but you have to be willing to let it happen you must be willing to say God Here I am. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to know you better. I want to have a relationship with you. That's the only way. You listening? That's the only way that Easter can make a difference in your life. And we want to give you an opportunity to let it do just that. Would you pray with me this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed,